Oh, yeah, you can't touch this. That's MC Hammer, or later in his career, just Hammer. It was the Hammer game we had last night, and Hermantown said to Proctor, about the Hammer, you can't touch this. Uh, 47-8. Hermantown beats Proctor last night at Terry Agardall Memorial Field, a place, ironically, Dave Cook, that the Hermantown Hawks will get real familiar with because they will play Cloquet next week, but with Cloquet's new field still being finished up, Cloquet's playing home games, and Proctor, the Hawks will be right back there. Well, here's my question for you, Brian. Is Cloquet going to be on the home side where the fans are? Are they going to be on the opposite side like Proctor lined up last night? It was one of the weirdest things that I've seen, and that's the home team on the far side away from away from their home fans. So, um, no, it was, a, it was a fun game last night. I mean, it, the score wasn't, to, but as far as some of the players we saw, um, the score I don't think was completely indicative of the game, and so, yeah. I would agree with that. We'll get Mike Zagelmeyer's take on it now. He joins us by phone today. Zags, thanks for being here. And I guess the first question, a little bit more intangible than we thought we might ask, are you going to get right at home on that same sideline next week, or are they going to ask you to move over to the other one? You'll be back at Terry Egerdahl Memorial next week, and congrats on the win last night. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a good win for us. Um, as far as the sidelines go next week, I'm going to leave that up to Coach Ogenin from Cloquet. He can tell us where he wants to put us, but uh, – yeah, after a week one win, that's huge for us, and uh, now we move onward to week two. I want to ask you about having that rivalry in the first week of the season because the Hammer game, it's got the cliche of throw the records out the window, the rivalry can't get much better, the geography can't get much closer, all of those things. But we all know that teams are more evenly matched in week one no matter what they are like on paper because nobody knows anything about anybody. I know scrimmages are there, but what does it really tell you? Was the anxiety towards this game a little bit higher because it was week one versus, say, week seven? Yeah, I, I didn't like playing them on week one, to be honest with you. I, I think that's a game that needs to be built up as the season moves along. I mean, you have a lot riding into that week one as far as just understanding and wondering where your players are at going with their minds into week one. So um, you, know, you spend three weeks in August getting ready for game one and then to have, have it be a rivalry game right on top of it, I, I personally don't like that. But, hey, that's the schedule. Uh, the kids played well, um, but uh, yeah, we, we definitely like to move that onwards. We actually thought last night, Coach, that it was a really interesting quarterback game last night where Proctor's McPhee, he was kind of the do-it-all on both sides of the ball, uh, but your quarterback, boy, I thought he point guarded that game really well, making sure the ball got into hands of playmakers quickly so they could do something with it. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the quarterback. Yeah, you know, I think Alex did a great job. And the, the biggest critic of Alex is himself. I mean, he expects a lot of himself. Uh, There's a couple of throws he wanted back for sure. Uh, we had a couple of drops also. I thought Alex executed the game really well. Um, does he want to play better? Yeah, and that's what I think is going to make him a, a good quarterback moving forward. I mean, he's only a junior. He started every game for us last year as a sophomore. Um, he, he's almost like having a senior out there because you're not going to have a lot of, you know, second, third-year quarterbacks out there. So, to see his leadership and the way he handles himself, he doesn't get rattled. I thought he made some great decisions. Obviously, he knows how to throw a long ball. Um, obviously, it helps having Peyton Menzel at the other end of that. But, yeah, he was very calm, poised, collected, and did what he needed to do to execute our offense. Absolutely, he did. You mentioned Peyton Menzel, and he needs to be mentioned because he blew up in that game. He also had an interception, so he, too, played well both ways. But Peyton Menzel, Zags, I'm just going to admit something here. I get more consumed and maybe it has to do with my role in the basketball season, I get more consumed with what he does there, and I kind of forgot about how good he was for you. And I saw the UMD commit and an eyebrow raised. After watching last night, I'll put my eyebrow back down. He deserves every bit of it. 
Yeah, you know, Kurt Weezy's the head coach at UMD for a reason, and he sees that kind of stuff. And, you know, Coach Aker, our offensive coordinator, he's worked with Peyton for a long time, and there's probably not a better wide receiver coach in the area uh, than Greg. But, uh, you know, Peyton, as a young player, always wanted to play football as his first priority. That's always been where he wants to go is to play football at that next level. So that was that's a huge weight off of Peyton's shoulder to have that commitment come in the summer and not have that hanging over you as you move into your senior season. I know a lot of players have, are always wondering, okay, what's going to happen next? Where do I go? But to have that commitment happen so early, I think has just it's made Peyton even better because it's relaxed him. Well, I think Peyton does a great job of making other players better. I talked about that at the end of the game. He was the reason that I thought the number one star should go to him because he made players around him have so much room. Alex Schott played the game tremendously, but when that much attention goes to Peyton Menzel, Alex Schott's life is that much easier. I also thought Mr. Smith on the opposite side, pass catching for you, got a little more room to roam, has some good hands. Do you have two aerial threats there? Yeah, I think that balance attack where, you know, they're trying to roll somebody up over the top on Peyton, you know, takes a little pressure off of, of Kale on the other side or Brody Summers on the other side or in the slot, uh, and it opens up our running game. I mean, we've tried to commit, and I know uh, Coach Akers said the same thing, is let's be more balanced. And I think um, being a more balanced team is the way, it's where you want to be in a, on a football team. I mean, we've been run dominant for so many years that the ability to to be a double threat or a dual threat, however you want to say it, uh, makes us a little bit more dangerous. It was real interesting. We said last night about your running attack. Uh, last year, your running uh, back was a big bully, and so everybody else looked like a scat back. Uh, last night, I thought your running attack was very consistent. They uh, they found the holes. They got yardage. You didn't get behind the behind the sticks much at all. I thought your running backs played great. Yeah, you know, with, with Freeman and uh, Thorsten there, you know, Zach does a great job for a senior captain. It's kind of the yin and the yang. You know, they're 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 similar in their games, uh, so you can't just load up on one. Um, you know, I'm a little bit more old school football, so I I always enjoyed watching Josh try to roll people over. But uh, it's almost like we're in a two halfback situation now, rather than a full a true fullback and a true halfback like Hermantown's always been known for. We got two skill guys back there that you know we want to try to. Uh, get the ball to, you know, so they can't, not one team can focus on either one of them. There's no question about that. You mentioned Josh, of course, with Muehlbauer. I almost was going to go back to Robbie and watching him bowl over people too. You've had your share of big fullback type runners, but as long as we're talking about previous players, I want to talk about another one who the commitment was for hockey, but I just feel like athletically everybody loves this kid and appreciated what he did. How big of a smile did you get seeing the Air Force commit for Bo Janzig this week? Well, as far as I'm concerned, there's not a better person in the world as far as Bo Janzig. He's a much better person than he is an athlete, and that says a lot. And, you know, it goes goes to show you, you play multiple sports and excel at all of them. You can do all sports. And, that you know, I think at Hermantown, with our size, we, we can't lose athletes, student athletes, to just one sport. They can't just focus on hockey or focus on basketball or focus on football or baseball. And uh, – we really, really preach and stress and try to encourage kids to, hey, we, we can work with you as far as your commitment to other sports, but you, you need to be a multi-sport athlete for Hermantown to have success. I will tell you this, as somebody who does public address and play-by-play, seeing the same kids in multiple sports <laughs> makes my life a lot easier when I go, hey, I already knew that kid from sports X, Y, or Z. One more personal question I want to ask you, because we always talk about the health of athletes, and we talked about it last night. There were a lot of Proctor kids injured in that game, and you feel bad when it happens at the beginning of a season and you hope for speedy recoveries. In your own family, I love watching Bailey play. How's she doing? 
yeah, she's recovered. She's uh, fully cleared to, to do her thing. And obviously basketball is her love. And as a parent, it was really tough to watch, you know, her have to go through that last season. So I'm, I'm really proud of her, the way she's handled it, probably handled it better than I did. She's been very focused and um, I hope she has a great senior year moving forward. She's uh, she's a tough kid and obviously I love her to death and we'll just see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, I'm really proud of her for the way she's battled back. Coach, I'm going to take her back to football. It was a that was a very good personal question, Brian. Thank you. But we're going back. I'm always that guy. Absolutely. So I was talking to uh, Coach Mundell earlier in the week, and I said, "So tell me about your team." And he said, "We're huge." And you know what? The offensive line is pretty big, and we talked about quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs. Nothing happens without the offensive line. Tell us about your big guys. How? Uh, I mean, obviously, big is the key word there. But how's your offensive line growing? Well, we average 285 across the top for, or across the line for our offensive line, but we need to get more physical. And uh, Coach Mundell says that we've got some young or inexperienced guys, I should say. They're not young guys. We have we have old guys on that line, but they haven't had a lot of high school experience in the big games. You know, and then last night was an eye opener. And uh, I thought I thought they did some great things. I liked our pass blocking, to be honest with you. But there, there's things that we need to do where somebody that size should be able to maul kids. And, and I, I thought we did a lot of shielding and we got in, you know, we got in Proctor's way a little bit and it takes, it takes a while to run around some of our guys. I, I joke with them all the time. And it would take me 15 minutes to run around Jack Jaros, but uh, he, uh, I, I just, I just, we need to get more physical. And I think with confidence, you know, coming after week one, that, that, that physicalness and that Hermantown mentality will, will start showing through a little bit, hopefully. But uh, yeah, we are a large across the front team for sure. Well, if that line ever needs more confidence, bring me to practice because I think it took me 15 minutes to get down the stairs at Terry Egerdahl <laughs> Memorial Field last night, but I digress. I do want to ask you a question that I asked Eric Lofald of Duluth Denfeld a couple of weeks back, and through our radio coverage, we've gotten to know Section 74A rather well because so many of the schools we cover are in it. Cloquet is always good. Denfeld is certainly up and coming. You guys are right there. North Branch has that gimmicky, tricky-looking offense that always tends to get it done, and you know teams like Grand Rapids, who are on the schedule – get in the way of a lot of teams' confidence along the way, too. How do you see the area, and particularly your section this year? I think our section is absolutely balanced this year from what I've seen. Now, granted, that's after week one, but coaches talk, and we watch film, and I've already watched some film. There, There is a lot of parity going on right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how teams evolve, who stays healthy as we come down the stretch run later in the season. You know, depth and depth in football up here is 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 really important because you are going to get guys dinged, and that that just that's part of the game. But uh, I, I I believe our section's wide open. Um, it, it's just tough to duplicate some of those offenses. You you mentioned North Branch. I mean, it's it's tough to duplicate that in practice. Right? How do you run a scout team that does that? Exactly. That's exactly the point. And you know hopefully these kids with our experience that some of them have from last year will be better at that because uh, that's always the team that we have circled on our schedule is like, okay, well, you're, they're the section champs. We could, you, you know, the trophy goes through them and uh, they've knocked us off the last couple of years. So I, uh, we, we got to be better there for sure. But yeah, Grand Rapids, that's coming up, but you know, Ogenin's going to have Cloquet ready to go next week. That's right. for sure. They're they're going to they're going to be a little salty coming off of that loss to two harbors last night. And you know, you you hate to get somebody on the schedule when they're they're coming off of a salty loss. So uh, we better be ready to play next week. Absolutely, we are chatting with Mike Zagelmeyer. His Hermantown team looked ready to play last night, forty-seven to eight. They beat Proctor in the Hammer game. So different to have it on week one of the season. 
Well, one of the things, Dave, we've had Mike Zagelmeyer on this show many times, and we've talked to him about a myriad of topics because yep. we know what a big sports fan he is. All you got to do is check his social media accounts. He's got something to say about the Gophers, Twins, Vikings. And, Mike, before we let you go, I want to hit on all three because I know you and I on social media both poke fun at Nebraska when we get the chance. So Thursday gave us a great opportunity to do that. And then we both kind of live or die with Twins outcomes. We're in a stretch run with a bullpen that's topsy-turvy. And then you've got a Vikings team that's about to open up that looks really good on one side of the ball. Give me a take on all three of those. Uh, well, the Twins, the bullpen's going to be the issue. I would have hoped that they would have done something more at the trade deadline. I think it's starting to show its wear and tear a little bit as the season goes on. Our offense seems to be picking up. That's, that's a plus. I, I like the way they're starting to hit the ball. Um, obviously, when you put Rice Lewis in the lineup, it's a totally different team as far as at the plate. The Gophers, as far as I'm concerned, their season is made. They beat Nebraska. Um, you know, that, that that's a school that I've always looked at and said, you know, I can remember back in the day. I don't know if you remember this, Brian, but 84-13 to 13 at the Metrodome back in the day with Turner Gill and sure. Irving Fryer and Mike Rogier, and they ran it up on us. So it's it's always fun to watch, and it's fun to poke fun at the, uh, the, the big red machine down there, as they like to call themselves, which is more... More of a small red machine right well, now. Well, and I was disappointed, speaking of Big Red, because I put it on Facebook after the game Thursday night, and I thought I was the origin of this statement. I said, you know, they keep saying Big Red, and for me, that's a delicious gum. Apparently, PA went ahead and said that the very next day, and people know that PA and I have a friendship, and everybody thinks now I stole it from him. <laughs> Big Red's been around forever. Right. I mean, that, it's delicious. I mean, that. I mean, if you take a look at their, their their Twitter feed and their Facebook page, it's always Go Big Red. I mean, GBR, that's what they're about. And you don't see a lot of GBR going on right now, that's for sure. I will tell you this, that when I used to see GBR on social media regularly until I figured out what it was, I thought, what is everybody cheering for Great Britain about? <laughs> I will promise yeah. you that I did not understand that at all. I want to give you one more Twins question, then I'll let you go. Which bullpen guy do you have more confidence in for the Twins? I know Duran's going to close, and I know it's been iffy. Jax or Pagan? And a year ago, this would have been a no-brainer, and now I'm not so sure. I'm still taking Jax. I, I, I just don't have trust in, in, in Pagan in high-leverage situations. I, I just, I mean, he's great when he's comfortable or he's picking up garbage in, in innings. I know he's had a nice little stretch, but again, he's starting to go back into his old, old ways again. Gave up a huge one the other night. I, I just, I, he hasn't proved it enough for me. I, I just don't trust Pagan. I'll take Jax. Now, listeners might be wondering, why am I talking so much baseball with a football coach? But you were a baseball coach forever. You talk about the lack of trust for Pagan. What did you think in the final game of that Cleveland series when Rocco Baldelli basically declared to everyone on earth that he doesn't have the trust either when he hands it to Funderburg, who had played one game just for the lefty-lefty matchup? Well, Funderburg, that was two innings of hit or of one-hit ball, if I remember right. The, the first no night, yes, yes. Yeah, you know what? Go with the guy that's hot. I mean, it, it, you know... So a lot of these guys are tired at the end of a major league baseball season. You got somebody that's got the adrenaline going that, you know, that had a good outing. I, why, why not roll with Funderburg? Why, why not do it? Wow. It took me a while, but I finally found someone on board with Rocco's decision that day. It backfired, obviously, but I'm glad you talked some sense into me. I leave it up to the pros. They know better than I do. And when it comes to most things sports, you know better than me. Thanks for sharing your opinions with us again today. I know we'll talk again very soon. I really appreciate all you guys do for high school high school sports, not just Hermantown, but everybody. It really, really helps the whole area. Thanks a lot, Brian. Absolutely. Lot, it's Dave. our pleasure. Thanks. It's an honor and a privilege. Mike Zagelmeyer, we appreciate you. I hope he appreciates the bump-up music because he is a DJ as well. I hope the music was okay. Zags, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Absolutely. That's Hermantown football coach Mike Zagelmeyer.
The Hawks opened last night. The Gophers opened Thursday. Looked like a heck of an atmosphere at Huntington Bank Stadium. We want more about that environment. We go to a dance team member and a family member of mine next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Dave Cook is not my sister, but we are family. Brian Prudhomme, <laughs> Dave Cook. We are the Northland Sports Page. We are a family all our own. Going to get to a family member of mine here shortly, but Dave Cook, part of our family, of course, is our sponsorship family. Got to give them some love as well. Absolutely. And and our list of sponsors, Brian, absolutely amazing. And, you know, again, if you're in town celebrating uh, Pride Weekend, enjoying yourself down at Bayfront, we've got a lot of options for you to help uh, take uh, take your business to and, and enjoy them as well. Uh, let's start with Mount Royal Bottle Shop up by the colleges. Avenue 45, the Blackwoods Group, including their restaurants at London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, Blackwater Downtown, and Tavern on the Hill up by the colleges, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem, and Screen Printing. Kraus Heating and Cooling, your carrier, carrier, your carrier, HVAC authorized dealer in northeastern Minnesota. OAR Holdings, Hoops Brewing, Arola Architecture Studio, Kohler Hyundai, Kohler Toyota, Pier B Resort, and Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies. And, of course, our friends at Comfort Systems, they invite you to sign up for a service appointment. Do it online and mention you heard it right here on the Northland Sports page. When you do that, you'll receive $20 off that appointment. Just visit ComfortSystemsDuluth.com. Mount Royal Bottle Shop, they work in conjunction with Hoops Brewing on Saturdays. 10% off all Hoops products on Saturdays, courtesy of the Northland Sports page. And, of course, Wine Wednesdays, which nothing to whine about in gopher country so far after the big football win. Mike Zagelmeyer and I talked about that a little bit. But Wine Wednesdays, 10% off wine selections at Bone Royal Bottle Shop. Yeah, and you know, this is a type of weekend where a little bit of wine this evening, when the temperatures start to come down a little bit, enjoy it with friends. Uh, what a great opportunity this evening. But Wine Wednesday is another place to, you know, go and take advantage. Like, this is supposed to be a pretty decent week. Enjoy yourself. Absolutely. Speaking of discounts on Wednesdays, Blackwater has them too. Healthcare Professionals Day every Wednesday. With a valid work badge, you will get 20% off food and drink in the lounge on the patio. Doesn't matter. 20% off in each of those locations. And enjoy live music by Paul Metza. Tell us real quick about Blackwaters. We talk about... We First talk of all, about, there's no S. Blackwater. Right. We, we talk about Blackwoods, and I talk about Tavern all the time. And I know Blackwater is one of your favorite places to go. I do really enjoy it. They've got a little bit different menu in terms of... I don't want to say higher end because I don't value one food over the other. All you got to do is take one look at my belly and go, yeah, you don't really, you know, get too choosy when it comes to food. You like everything. But Blackwater has some higher end appetizers. Martinis are pretty hard to come by in town. But when it comes to a top notch martini bar in Minnesota, Blackwater is my choice. And Blackwater is one of those places that, you know, if you're looking for to do Monica Geller from Friends on this, someplace nice. Blackwater is a little bit more of a higher-end, dressy establishment as well. Yeah, it really gives you the vibe of uh, class. And, you know, like you said, with the martinis, which are, you know, it's kind of in, uh, related to that, right? Um, it the, the vibe in the room is really unique, I think, in town. Absolutely it is. So Blackwater defines class. I'll tell you what else defines class. That's the Minnesota Gophers dance team. They are natty champs, First and we'll talk about class. that in a moment. They got honored as part of a big, big Thursday at Huntington Bank Stadium. That big Thursday was capped off by that last-second field goal to lift the Gophers over Nebraska. Of course, the dance team is a big part of every game day with home football games. So joining us again, we talk about our list of sponsors growing. The list of times that Aubrey Lesty has joined this show continues to grow. She's back again as a senior now, Dave Cook. How about the home opener of the senior year, Aubrey Lesty? Good morning. How much fun was Thursday? Hi, good morning, everybody. It was so unbelievably fun. It was the one of the best home openers that I've ever experienced. The weather was perfect. The dance team was ready to go. It was sold out crowd. It was 
honestly my definition of a perfect game night. So take me through the preparation for you guys with game night because emphasis on night. You've got another evening game next week. Dave and I will both be there. We're super excited for that. But how different is that, say, on a Thursday evening versus, you know, up and at them Saturday morning for that afternoon kickoff? Is there anything different about it besides just timing? Yeah, I would say uh, we're definitely a little bit more awake uh, going into a night game. Um, But honestly, other than timing, nothing's different besides, I mean, obviously it's nice not to have the sun completely beaming on you the entire three-hour game, right? So that's nice to have as a night game. The lights, the Friday night lights, even though it was Thursday night lights, it was cool to see the crowd in a different perspective, too, with with the dark. So it was really fun. Now, enlighten us, because I know at UMD it had started on Monday. Are the Gophers in class yet? Had you been in school by the time Thursday's game kicked off? No. So we actually start school on Tuesday. So that was honestly kind of fun, too, because we weren't worrying about school yet. We were just focused on game day and getting ourselves prepared for that. Okay, so that's a perfect segue, because my next question was going to be, what was the crowd atmosphere like? We know that the quote-unquote older adults are going to be there and having their own good time, but with school not yet started, how were the students? Obviously, we see a little bit on national TV on Fox, but how was it in terms of volume and interaction with you guys as you get that stadium fired up? Yeah, it was honestly probably the loudest game. Besides Wisconsin, it was honestly one of the loudest games I've ever been a part of. Um, the student section was all the way like jam-packed. I've never seen it look like that, so it was really exciting to see how pumped up the students were to get back to campus and get back cheering on our Gophers, and it's just awesome to be a part of that. So it was a really cool experience. Uh, we were talking earlier today about you know some of the expectations of sports around the area, and, and you're and you're close to the football team, a lot of the players and whatnot. What is their expectation for the season? The Gopher football team's expectation, I think, is just to keep that school spirit up. Um, they are held to very high standards, obviously, as student athletes as well. So there's a lot of pressure on them constantly, but they always they always are executing. They're always trying their best, and that's really all we can ask of the Gopher football team. I think that's very fair. Now, to expand on that, the big story with Gopher football is Ethan Kaliak-Manis takes over the reins. Now, you've been on this show many times, and we brought this up before, but for listeners that might be hearing you, Aubrey Lesty, for the first time, walk us through your greatest on-field or off-field in terms of he was on the sidelines, meeting and greeting with Ethan Kaliak-Manis because uh, – Defensively, the Gophers didn't have many memorable tackles last year, but you had one. <laughs> yeah, so last year at one of the games, um, we were on the sidelines. I, I knew they were on our, our close end zone, um, and I was just watching the game. All of a sudden, Ethan is coming straight at me um, on the sideline, and I just didn't have enough time to react. So he kind of pushed me into the wall, but he really took the brunt of the hit. He like picked me up basically and pushed me into the wall. And he was the one that actually fell and he wanted to make sure I was okay. It was, it was hilarious. That was honestly how I met him. Um, so that was kind of a funny segue into a friendship. I was going to say there was one person that went down in that encounter and it wasn't Aubrey <laughs> Lesty. Everybody should remember no. that. No questioning the toughness of the Minnesota Gopher dance team. I want to talk more about that because you are defending national champions, and part of the game on Thursday, it was Champions Day for the Gophers. You guys got recognized, got a big chance to dance on the field again, as you always do. But I am most impressed with, because we talk about this in sports all the time, regardless of level, did they win that ring? You guys got some pretty cool jewelry as a result. Talk about that. How excited were you to see that? Because I saw it on social media. It looks good on you, my friend. 
Well, thank you. It was a surprise that we got our rings that game. Um, we were at a tailgate with all of our with our parent tailgate, um, and our coach just said, "Hey, can we circle up for a quick second? And all of us were like, "Yeah, what's up?" Expecting her to just tell us like logistic logistic things, and she swings her backpack around and is like, "You're getting your rings now." And all of us were shocked. Um, and then she does the whole unveiling, and it was so much fun to be wearing it too during Champions uh, Champions Day, um, just because it made it all that more real. And it was honestly just as fun as uh, back in January when we won the double national championship. It was kind of that like full circle moment of just like we did it, and getting recognized by our school was so important to us, and we just really really appreciated everyone's support. It is absolutely outstanding. Certainly hoping that the uh, season serves as a repeat for you as national champions. Where are you in your season? Because, again, school hasn't started. I know you've done a game already back on Thursday, but what is the dance team focusing on right now? Because I know you're already doing a lot, but what's on the supposed checklist of what are we being ready for? Yeah, so right now, uh, this past week, two weeks, we had been really game day focused. So there's a lot of material, uh, especially for our rookies to learn. Um So we're learning that we're constantly conditioning because like we always say, game day is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, So we're constantly conditioning. I think for this next upcoming months, we're going to start working on our palm and jazz dances, which we're really excited for, for the upcoming national season. Um, And we're also just going to keep pushing game day and just keep conditioning and keep getting stronger and stronger with our skills and our game day execution. Now there's a number of sports where the big 10 excels and dance team is no exception. So I have to ask, is it the same old, pardon the pun, song and dance that it's going to be you guys and Ohio State? Or is it Wisconsin's going to be there? You know, somebody else might Nebraska. sneak up on somebody. Yeah, maybe Nebraska's gotten better in that department. But I know about the rivalry between the Gophers and Ohio State in the dance world. What else are we looking out for? Yeah, I mean, every season is a new season, right? So you never know what team's going to maybe, you know, come up and surprise everybody or anything like that. So I would say it's really anybody's game every season. Um, It's always fun to see everyone's dances and everyone's talent that they bring. There's always a new fresh set class of rookies coming in. So it's really anybody's ball game. Um, Wisconsin is great. University of Iowa is great. Nebraska is great. So it's, it's really anybody's ball game. I like to hear that. That's a very diplomatic response, but I have no problem with it as I'm speaking with Aubrey Lesty of the Gopher Dance Team. I'll let the cat out of the bag. For those that may not know, Aubrey Lesty also happens to be my niece, so this is a good time for me to get to chat with her in a public platform. I promise everybody this is not exactly how we talk in private. This is much more buttoned up, so to speak. But Aubrey, I want to ask you about this. You've mentioned the term rookies a couple of times, and Dave's kind of smirked because we remember talking to you when that was you. But by the way... The COVID year and really the COVID era took so much away from so many people. In your case, I know it affected your high school graduation. Now in college, we all blinked and you're a senior. Has that sunk in at all? Honestly, no. I I really don't think it has. And when it does, I'm a little afraid. I'm going to be really sad. Um, It's it kind of was the first of the last um, the first game day. So it just is really surreal and I can't believe I'm already a senior it doesn't even feel real to say um I have looked up to so many of our previous leaders on our team um and now being one of the leaders it's they've really I think prepared my class for the role um very well and I think it's a super important role to be in and I'm honored to be in that 
Um, but I still, I don't think it's sunk in yet that I'm, I'm going to graduate, which, oh goodness, then it comes to the real world. What do I do? Right. It makes your <laughs> uncle feel really old, by the way, as well. But I want to talk about another thing you mentioned a handful of times. The focus is game day. Now, next Saturday, Dave and I are already excited. Game two of the season, and it's another evening game. Dave and I will be there. We have tickets. We'll be in section 133, by the way, if you're looking for us. But Dave has never been. So we've mentioned game day and we've mentioned rookies, and Dave Cook is both of those when it comes to going to Huntington Bank. (laughs) So you know game day backwards and forwards. You know the pregame, tailgate, all the fun that is to be had. With Dave, you know, transporting me, but me technically bringing Dave as a first-timer to a game, what's a must-do or maybe several must-dos to experience it the best way possible? I would say the first must-do is making sure you catch the parade that's at the beginning of the game with our huge uh, marching band, the Pride of Minnesota. The cheer team, us, uh, it's super fun. It's crowd-engaging. Then we do a huge, it's called March on Mariucci. It's right in front of the hockey arena, the Mariucci Um, And we do a big kind of show and like preview of what their halftime performance will be. So that's always a really fun crowd engaging activity. Um, And then pregame, I would say be in there early because it's, we put on a whole show for pregame for the the national anthem, everything under the sun with that. And yeah. And then the game starts and it's never ending entertainment. Then I I was going to say (laughs) with that piece, is there part of you that's a little bit relieved by the time kickoff hits because you've kind of done your hardest parts or is it just different that way? Uh, I would say, yeah, it, it is a big checkoff for sure. Uh, the March and the pregame is, is, is a big part of what we do. Um, but it still isn't over once, we, once we're done with pregame. So we kind of just take a deep breath and go through four quarters. This is truly a I don't know kind of question. So Nebraska had their big volleyball game outside, and I'm wondering for smaller venues, how does the dance team address like a volleyball game or or a baseball game or something where the where the venue is more intimate? Do you attend? Do you perform? How does that work? So we don't perform at uh, volleyball games or like wrestling matches or anything like that. There are some other schools, spirit squads that do attend, um, but we do get free student tickets with. Uh, with those sports teams. So we do try and go and support as much as we can. Um, I was just recently at the volleyball game for uh, Texas and Minnesota, which was really fun to be a part of at, as a student. Um, so we aren't there as athletes, but we do try and support as much as we can as, as students. I love that you mentioned support because I'm curious, you know, dance team is very much a growing sport. You know, Aubrey and our family that if you don't love dance team, basically get out of the family. You know how that works for us. <laughs> But it, is, but it is a growing sport, and knowing that you have a national title under your belt, is campus a little bit more abuzz about you guys? I know school hasn't started yet, but dance team's got to be feeling the love, aren't they? Yeah, it's been great, the amount of support we've had. I mean, just and when we got back from nationals, a lot of my classmates had seen a lot of things on social media, which has played a big part in growing dance team and growing collegiate dance team on its own. Uh, so social media has played a big part in it. And a lot of people came up to me, uh, classmates of mine that really aren't involved in dance at all and had said, I didn't even know um, that you guys were so, you know, won a national title. And she's like, they were saying that TikTok played a big part in it. Um, and just that they thought it was so cool. And now they pay attention. Now they follow us. So it, it is really cool to see how much support that we've gotten over the last three years I've been a part of it. You have segued perfectly for me because that was going to be my next question. Now people are going to be more aware of this is a national championship team. How do we follow? How do we find you guys? Is TikTok the best? Is the Gopher Sports website the best? 
if people are craving more info about just how good this dance team is, not to mention locally here in Duluth, UMD's got a heck of a team too. What's the best way to follow the sport of dance in your opinion? Yeah, so we do have an Instagram. I would say we keep that probably the most active at U of M Dance Team. Uh, we also do have now our own website, which is kind of exciting. Uh, we have it's at, at U of M Dance Team dot com. That, that's the you can find a lot of recruit information, current roster information, our past videos, anything you really want to know about us will be on that website. Um, so that's kind of where you can find us. We're probably most active on Instagram and our website. So, Aubrey, you've talked about during your years of involvement, you've looked up to and been in awe of coaches, of alumni that have come through the dance team. Now the shoe's on the other foot, Aubrey. You are the senior. You are asked probably to provide some leadership. What kind of advice are you giving to either younger dancers on your team or, more importantly, for our listeners, Dave and I love to appeal to kids and get their interest churned up in their sport of choice. If there are young dancers or young dance families listening to this going, you know, my kid would love to take that route to be this successful – what advice do you have for him? I would say my biggest piece of advice is don't blink and don't take any opportunity for granted. With COVID happening and us not getting our first game day season and things like that, everybody had so much taken away from them. So it really honestly made me and my team realize every single opportunity that we get as a part of the U of M dance team matters and never take it for granted because you never know when it'll be your last. And it's just a really special thing to be a part of and really realizing that in the moment. So then when you're out of it, you do, you do think I have no regrets, right? So really not blinking and enjoying every moment because it goes by so, so fast. And everybody does say that, but now that I'm here as a senior, I'm like, I totally believe it. (laughs) Absolutely. It sounds cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason. It's absolutely true. Exactly, Aubrey, my last question is this, and it's somewhat sarcastic, but if you know me at all and you do probably not, what is it about beating those red and white teams when the Gophers do that? I don't care if it's Nebraska or Wisconsin. It's just a little bit sweeter. How much fun was Thursday? I'll close with the same question I opened with. It was so much fun. That last kick field goal was incredible with like three seconds left. It was the most exciting half that I've probably ever had. Uh, so it was always a win is a win, and we'll take a win in Gopher land for sure. That is spoken like a true Minnesota right. sports fan. Aubrey Lesty, thanks for bringing your energy and excitement to our show once again. You know I will talk to you soon, but I love that we get to do it on the radio together. Thank you once again. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Absolutely. That is Aubrey Lesty of the Gopher Dance Team. She has many great traits. My favorite is she's my niece. Yeah, no, that's a that's a pretty good trait to have. You said, you know, I can be sarcastic. And it was like, yeah, she's faced that before. Yeah, that's one of the few times that we've spoken that we didn't crack up at all, but it's because it was public. <laughs> that helped as well. One segment to go. We draw some lines, courtesy of Roll Architecture Studio. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, the Northland Sports Page. Stick around. We'll be right back. Back on the Northland Sports Page for our final segment, little cheeseburger in paradise. Of course, Jimmy Buffett passing away yesterday feel like I could spend my weekend having a meal completely in his honor between I can get a margarita down today and probably have a cheeseburger and go, yep, this one's for you, Jimmy, and enjoy myself as well. I wonder how much of that's going to go on in the world uh, this weekend. I'll bet you that's not, I'll bet you that's the most common order uh, going around right now. Without question, and Jimmy Buffett, obviously a very talented musician, Margaritaville, there's a lot of those around the country as well. Those will probably be even busier. We talked about at the beginning of the show what a busy time September is. For Drawing Lines, courtesy of Aurora Architecture Studio, we kind of have to pick our column of excitement because during the break you said, well, we could deep dive the entire roster for the Vikings. And I said, probably not in nine or ten minutes. And you said, well, we could still 
you know, go a little bit further into the Twins in the pennant race, what is or isn't going to happen? I think we can do a little bit of both to close it out, again, courtesy of the OG. I think we can absolutely do that. Arola Architecture Studio gives us this opportunity. So let's tear it up. Let's draw some lines. All right. So drawing lines as far as the Twins go, I did ask Mike Zagelmeyer which bullpen arm gets more trust right now, Griffin Jackson or Emilio Pagan. I know what the narrative is on Pagan, but I know what recent performances have been like. Zag still chose Jax. I know you had to leave the studio for the moment. Are you in the same boat? Uh, boy, I think Pagan has taught us long-term to be wary of Pagan. And so, yes, I'm going to say Jax, but it's more because of history than it is about current performance. I think that's fairly true, and I think just to you know be part of the narrative crowd, which normally I go against, I'll go with Jax too. But I don't know how long of a leash you give him anymore, where it used yeah. to be plenty. I think that's getting shorter and shorter by the appearance. But I still think the big talker is reinforcements are coming, not via the waiver wire, not via the trade deadline. Those have all passed, but injuries are starting to heal up now. The question is, what does that do? You made a comment last night during the Rails-Hawks game that, hey, we should all be excited because Byron Buxton is in St. Paul and in the outfield, and half of that is a big deal. Which half? That's up to you because there are fans out there that say, yeah, he's in St. Paul, and that's where he belongs. But there are others that say, if he's in the outfield, he's a different contributor. What version of Byron Buxton are you expecting to see at some point again at Target Field? I have absolutely no idea. Exactly. But here's the thing. If he is healthy enough to play center field, he's the best center fielder in the league, right? Uh, and so that by itself makes a difference. Taylor is a good center fielder. Buxton's the next level, right? And so I might take the kid from Seattle over Buxton. Go ahead. Uh, the the skill level that he brings to the outfield and the fact that frees up the designated hitter role. Like him in a designated hitter role really makes it was the abyss. It really jammed up the entire lineup. So put him back in center field. That's great. Kirilov at first. You know, Polanco's been a player at second. Now Julian can DH if um, if uh, Buxton is in center. Well, I was going to say, let's talk this out together. Let's put Buxton in the outfield. Let's put Kirilov back at first base. And let's go around the diamond and make a lineup. So catcher du jour, Jeffers is the better hitter. Vasquez is supposed to be better defensively. I don't buy it so far this year. So Jeffers. First base, Kirilov. Second base, Polanco. Shortstop, Correa. Third base, Royce Lewis. Left field, Walner. Center field, Buxton. Right field, Kepler. Kepler went from, again, number one trade bait to second half MVP. You do have that DH spot open. Solano's been your most professional hitter. Julian is the biggest up-and-comer. Michael A. Taylor doesn't deserve to be benched at all. What are you doing? Well, I think the I think the DHs and and you know the other guy that's going to be back is Willie A. I mean Willie's coming Willie back. Willie Castro, yeah. And that uh, that allows for depth. I'm not sure what nickname you just gave him, but and, go ahead. And some someplace Nick Gordon's got to be sniffing around, right? It's been the entire season. Chris Paddock is getting ready to throw, so there's additional reinforcements coming, but. Michael A. Taylor doesn't deserve that. So maybe one of the statements might be not Matt Walner and left. Maybe Matt Walner's your DH and Michael A. Taylor's your left fielder. Or frankly, if Buxton isn't the center fielder we remember, maybe he's your left fielder because he's still got enough wheels to be a great left fielder. So early on in the year, Rocco Baldelli was almost playing like it was slow pitch softball. You had guys that played until the fifth and then a new batch of guys came in. He's still done that to a lesser degree as the season's gone on. Are we going to see September look a little bit like April? Because I'm not going to sit here and say the Twins have an embarrassment of riches, but he might be able to play, and those that don't like him say he does this too much, but he might be able to play matchups with pinch hitters in the 6th, 7th, and 8th with the guys we just mentioned because Donovan Solano 
doesn't deserve to go ice cold on the pine either. Rocco needs to win a freaking division. If he starts screwing What's around the best right route now, to that? That's the question. Right, but if he starts screwing around with the with throwing pinch hitters in in a 5-2 game, uh, stop. Okay. Just win. Okay, love your mantra, but I'm going to counter it with this. Rocco needs to win a division. You don't want him screwing around with the lineup. That means Buxton and Kirilov don't need to enter either. Now, I know that's blasphemy with Kirilov's talent. Buxton hasn't shown you anything. Yep. What are you screwing around with if you put him in for something else that's been working? No, you need to. What I'm saying is that in the midst of games, if Buxton goes out and is awful in center field in St. Paul, you can't run him up here. Right. That's, that's, let's just get that out of the way. Um, but if he's your center fielder because he can play center field, the last thing you need to do is say in the fourth inning, hey, you know what? We're, on, we're up by four. Let's get Buxton out of there. Or, you know, in the sixth inning, you know, we've got extra guys on the on the bench. Let's make sure uh, Correa is not playing in the sixth in With the game you're up by fasciitis again, yeah. I mean, that's my fear is that Rocco gets stir crazy with guys on his bench and he's got to run them out there. Treats and, a three-run lead like it's 10. Yes. Yeah. And and that drives me nuts. And so let's win the division. After we win the division, you want to run out, you know, you want to throw bones and just have different guys' names on and whoever lands, lands, and they're the ones. You can go 87 twins on it. You can win the division and lose your last eight because nobody has to care. That's that's correct. But let's just win the My last oh, that was take good. on you see me edit that. My last take on baseball is this. Are the twins going to win? Maybe through nothing they do on their own. Is Cleveland just not good enough? Now, I get it. They took two out of three from us. We got them again next week, and they beat Tampa last night, and they went crazy on the waiver wire getting everybody. So they're yeah. going for it. Yeah. Tip of the cap for going for it. But they're also going for it with guys that were on the waiver wire for a reason. Is Cleveland just not good enough to overtake the Twins anyway? Um, I agree. The problem is the Twins this year have found a fantastic way to play down to their competition. And they play a lot of bad teams late. And they play a lot of bad teams late. So I think if if I'm Cleveland, I'd do the same thing because obviously the Twins don't. It's like the Twins throw their jersey out on the field and figure that's a W when they play teams that aren't the same level. Drives me nuts. All right. So we'll switch to football to close. Again, it's drawing lines courtesy of Roll Architecture Studio. And I love the fact that Ryan doesn't mind that most weeks we just scribble because lines have to go all over the place. Very excited for the Vikings opener September 10th, just because the season's here. I wouldn't care who they're playing, when they're playing, where they're playing, just the season's here, and that excites me. But this team is not without question marks. Now, Greg Aker, who Mike Zagelmeyer spoke glowingly of because of his team's offensive performance last night, and Greg is often the mastermind behind that, also texted me on our take with TJ's extension and how it affects Kirk. Greg says Kirk's going to take a cut. I'd love to see it, but... He could have done that several other times and hasn't, so I'm not sure what part of his personality is going to take a 180 there. I want to talk about, give me two. Give me two parts of this team that you're most excited about and two parts of this team that you're most concerned about, and you can't just say offense and defense, even though no, we are pressed nope, for time. Nope, that's that's not it, and, and Kirk can't take that size of cut to maintain Derrissaw as well. Um, that's my take on that one. I am most excited to see if I'm right on Addison and that he's – a football savant and and maybe a life isn't his thing, but see him on the field uh, because what we've heard and what the little bit we've seen, he gets he gets the game. So I'm I'm very excited to see that. Frankly, I'm excited to see how the running back room plays out because uh, you know where I stand on Madison. I mean, he's a bell cow, but the cow part being the key there, he's Matt Asiata. So we've got an entire group of guys behind him. What happens? Defensively, I am super excited to see Daniil Hunter in this defense. Like, 
it seems to me like they, and Harrison Smith, frankly, those two guys, it seems like this is a defense made in heaven for them. And the other side is, what in the world are we doing at cornerback? Like, there's no veterans. Byron Murphy and nobody. Yeah, there's no veterans. They they brought Booth back. My favorite line on Andrew Andrew Booth Jr. was, well, he doesn't fit the scheme, but he's real athletic. And it's like, okay, well, that's bad. <laughs> you If you don't fit the scheme and it's a press man, which means you're a zone corner, I don't care how athletic you are. This is this is not great. So I'm worried about the cornerbacks. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see Pace Jr. to see how he does. I think that is exciting and also concerning because we've got a linebacking core that looks like slightly oversized safeties, and I'm not sure how that plays. Uh, you mentioned Addison, and that is exciting when you got a number one pick that's full of talent on paper. That's always going to be exciting. It's worked out well for the Vikings before. I'm more excited about what the other pass catchers might do. And Addison will be one of them because we know that everybody that comes in here is going to say 18 can't beat us. And Justin Jefferson may have 10 defenders on him at some point. Whether it's Addison, Osborne, Hawkinson, Madison as being a pass catching back is very possible to me. You might not see a very good running attack from the Vikings, but you may see a running back get used plenty. If JJ goes off, a lot of fantasy owners are going to be super impressed. I'm going to be more impressed if Folks not named Jefferson are winning games for the Vikings. Nope, I think you're right. I think that's why Hawkinson was so important. Here's a question for you. Jefferson get 2,000 yards this year? Is it possible? See, I don't think so, only because defenses will pay that kind of attention. If he does, he's otherworldly, and if he doesn't, hopefully it means that they have a pair of 1,000 wide receivers instead. Yep, yep. The other thing I'm excited and concerned about is the development of Garrett Bradbury and everybody else next to him on the interior. Because I said on Time for Two More's debut last Saturday, the Timberwolves have better guards than the Vikings do. And in most cases, that's good, but not for Kirk Cousins, it's not. They have bigger centers, too. I right. Just, you kind of left that there for right. me. If we, if we could get Gobert and Jaden to play on the offensive line, we might take it. The uh, I, I think Bradbury is is who he is at this point. I mean, I think the real the real improvement needs to come from the kid from LSU who plays guard on, the, on his one side. That allows Bradbury to do less covering for him. Is it possible that we're excited to see who's still coming? There's a lot of... Free agents just sitting there, and this roster doesn't feel complete, even though by number it is. Yeah, no, I agree. I think we're looking for that offensive lineman that whom shall not be named, who's talked about all the time, coming. I'm excited to see Baker Mayfield fail again. Vikings over the Bucks. hopefully, on Sunday, September 10th. On Saturday, September 9th, we'll do a big football preview. Most of the Northland Sports page will be our predictions likely gone wrong for the NFL season. But nothing went wrong today. We got through it. Dave Cook, my partner, we did it. We did. We'll see you on Wednesday, my friend. Absolutely, we will. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, we are the Northland Sports Page. Have a good holiday weekend. We'll see you.